0: This morning, we're starting a new series on building community, and we're spending the next few weeks looking at the book of Nehemiah, which we've been talking about all year. And for those who perhaps aren't as familiar with Nehemiah, just very briefly, Nehemiah um, was taken away from Israel into captivity to a place called Babylon, and he became a cupbearer to the king at the time, which sounds like a pretty glamorous job, unless you get a bad cup and then you're dead. Because <laughs> his job was to taste the wine before the king tasted just in case there was poison in the cup. So he was obviously doing quite well. I'm not quite sure whether there was like a Russian roulette thing going on, and it depended what day of the week you were serving and what day of the week people were trying to kill the king. But he was doing all right, and he was still alive. And basically in the story, and you'll hear me talk about it a little bit this morning, but Nehemiah heard some news from back home in Israel and he was sad to hear what was going on in there and the book of Nehemiah then goes on to talk about how Nehemiah went back to Israel and helped to rebuild Israel and the community that was there and helped to build it up and cause it to be a place that was great again apart from what it had been left when the people had been taken away into exile so that's just Nehemiah in a nutshell and there's a lot more to it and we're going to unpack it a lot more over the next few weeks as well but just to give you a little bit of an idea And you know, Nehemiah, as I said, came from a place where he was in slavery and where he was in Babylon. But Nehemiah then got to the war damaged city of Jerusalem. He put it back together so it was functioning as it was supposed to be. He organized the people. He rebuilt the city walls. He instituted social and spiritual reform. And he got the temple operating again. And he convinced the people to observe the Sabbath as God intended. He did some stuff. He did some stuff from a man who was a cupbearer who was giving the cup to the king on a daily or however often he did it basis. I don't quite know how it works. He then went and did and rebuilt a whole city, brought social structure back in again and brought God back into the center of everything that this city did. That's amazing. Just the little old cupbearer from Babylon. And you may think to yourself, my job feels like playing Russian roulette some days. I don't feel like I'm particularly important. I feel like, actually, if something took me out, no one would miss me because they'd just bring another one up to do the job that I do, to live the life that I lived. Well, actually, this morning, I'm here to tell you that God has got a plan and a destiny and a purpose for your life. And you may think that you're just a little old cupbearer in Babylon. You're not even in the place where you're meant to be. But God wants to tell you that this morning, just like he did with Nehemiah, God wants to fulfill fulfill destiny on your life. And I believe as we look at the book of Nehemiah, then we can see that by fulfilling destiny, then we each find our place. And in doing that, we can fulfill purpose for our local community and for those around us in our world. And I want to encourage you as you find your place. And some of you may be sitting there thinking, I know my place. I know what God's called me to. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, I don't even really know. God to be honest with you or I'm somewhere in between those two things that's fine this morning God wants to encourage you God wants to invite you to begin a journey with him or to carry on your journey with him and to go forward to fulfilling the destiny that he has on on your life and I believe in fulfilling that you will impact community and you will build the community and the people around you it's all about finding our place in this world you know, and destiny includes the decisions that we make. It includes character building and shaping within ourselves and being willing to change. And it includes going through the process. So often we can have big visions and big dreams about things that we want to do with our lives, things that we want to become, and yet we have to go through the process in the journey. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't be despise those first steps as you get there. I don't know about you, but I like to go and climb things, not overly much. You've probably heard me talk about it before, but I like getting to the top and the end. Paul, I've been having a a conversation this week about how I'm a bit of a, I can't say it properly, a list ticker. That's right, isn't it? I like to tick lists off. I'm like, yes, that's done. Yes, that's done. Yes, that's done. And whenever Paul forces me to go and climb something, and it's normally like that. I like the idea of it, but I don't actually want to do the process in the middle. I like thinking about it. Oh, how wonderful it would be to get to the top of that very small hill, which it normally is. And when I get to the top, I'm like, yes, I've made it. Look at the amazing view. I'm quite scared as well because I don't like heights too much. But wow. But the bit in between the, oh, how wonderful would that be? And the, yes, how wonderful, I'm at the top. I really don't like it. I really don't like the, the step after the step after the step. And how many more steps are there? But can I encourage you, the process is the thing that takes you into your destiny. The process is the thing that causes you to be ready for your destiny. The process is, in actual fact, your destiny. So don't despise those small steps that you take on a daily basis. Don't be discouraged in them. Tony Robbins says this, It is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped today it's in the decisions that you make today maybe this morning it's about making a decision that actually I want Jesus to be part of my life maybe this morning it's about making a decision of I'm going to step out and believe in this I'm going to serve on a team I'm going to get involved with this I'm going to start something new and fresh because I'm believing I'm going to get a new job I'm going to I believe God's calling me to another country I'm going to start the process of doing that It's about those decisions that you make because it's those decisions that we make that shape our destiny but also shape the communities around us and shape the world as well. You know, and whose vision and destiny is it? So often it can be ours. We can be after what we want. I want the best job. I want the best car. I want the best house. I want the best relationship. And none of those things are bad things and God wants those things for you too. But sometimes if it's our destiny and our thought, it can kill and break a community as much as it can make it. So make sure your vision and your destiny is fitted in with what God is calling you to. We see many things when we look back through history where communities have been broken and destroyed by one person's dream and destiny that actually isn't the will and purpose of God. You see it all the way through World War II. You see it all the way through places where there have been genocides and difficult things have happened. Communities have been destroyed. Yet I believe if we follow the destiny that God has got for our lives, not our own plans and purposes, not our own thoughts or our own prejudices or our own way of thinking, if we follow what God is calling us to do, then it can make a community. It can build a community and it can bring hope to a community as well. And I really believe that there's only one question that matters. God is calling you this morning. Will you dance with the destiny that He's got for you? He's calling you to dance with Him this morning into your destiny. And you might be dancing like Tigger, like Paul, or you might be doing a foxtrot. You could even be doing line dancing if that's your thing whatever floats your boat, God is calling you to dance into the destiny that he's got for you today. The question is, will you take his hand and start taking the steps with him? And I've got a few points for us this morning to try and help you. You may sit there and think, well, I just haven't got a clue. I don't know what my destiny is. I I, I feel like, I'm somewhere on the process of it but then I don't know what to do so I've got some points this morning that hopefully will help you in the process of perhaps finding what your destiny is or if you're already on that process helping you to keep going and keep believing and keep trusting for those promises that God's given you and what you're believing is going to happen for your life is that okay wonderful so the first one is person next to you still awake give him a prod no slippers So the first thing this morning is find your passion and in Nehemiah 1 verses 3 to 4 it says they told me that those who had survived were back in the homeland were in great difficulty and that the foreigners who lived nearby looked down on them they also told me that the walls of Jerusalem were still broken down and that the gates had not been restored since the time they were burnt. When I heard all this, I sat down and wept. This is Nehemiah talking. Nehemiah is in Babylon. He's a cupbearer. Some people have come back from Israel, and they're basically saying, Jerusalem's a mess. Jerusalem is a mess. And we hear what Nehemiah does. It says, when I heard all this, I sat down and wept. This morning, I want to encourage you. If you're thinking, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what I should be doing with my life. I don't know what my life's for. Let me encourage you that maybe it's the things that break your heart that is your destiny. Sometimes your passion is found in those things that break your heart. Sometimes it's found in the injustice We see with people like Martin Luther King. Sometimes it's in the heartache. We see with people like Mother Teresa. Sometimes it's when you find your passion, it's in those places with the things that frustrate you, with the things that break your heart, with the things that you can't leave alone, with the things that you're just constantly drawn to. Sometimes that is the passion. That is what God's calling you to. And you know, we all end up somewhere in life. Nehemiah ended up somewhere on purpose. And we can too. If you choose to be purposeful about where you end up. If you choose to be purposeful about what you put in place in your life. So, what do we do? What do we do at this point? I remember when I was at university, I'd gone through school and college, and I went to university. And every single time, my parents kept saying to me, just do what you enjoy. Just do what you enjoy doing. And, and I enjoyed history. And so I've got like a BA dual honours and I can't even remember what it's in Ancient history with sociology and social anthropology. Wow. It's, it sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> I enjoyed some of it. Some of it was really boring. I can't remember half of it, if I'm honest. But I've got a degree in it. I'm not really doing anything to do with history right now, maybe a little bit of sociology and social anthropology at times, but there's not a great deal of history that goes on apart from when I make everyone go and visit something Roman that's nearby where we stay on holiday. But <laughs> the reason I'm telling you this is because sometimes you've just got to do the things that you enjoy and that that's okay, but it doesn't always lead to where you're going. And, and as I came out of university, I was then faced again with the same problem, what am I going to do for my job? Because I don't actually know what I want to do. I, I know I enjoy history. I know I enjoy, well, just watching people and thinking, aren't people strange? And aren't people interesting? That's like the sociology and social anthropology. We did one whole module on why people kill chickens and, in, in this certain culture and, and what they then did with the chicken and then what it meant. I find it really helpful <laughs> in society now. So if anyone's got anything going on with chickens, I'm your woman. I've got a whole module underneath me on it. But you know, I faced the same problem when I came out of school and I went and worked for a radio station and did some admin forum and they even put me counting money. I'm just looking at the people in the office who know, I've, I'm sure I'm number dyslexic. It, it was problematic, I was like, this doesn't add up, it's not making sense to me, I'm not qu- I got a B in maths at GCSE, I, I don't quite know how it happened, I think it was a miracle, but those are, there are people who have seen me count, they're, they're laughing at me now. Uh, it's not my forte, but I ended up doing that just because I needed a job. And then I was like, I- I'll, I'll, maybe I want to work with people, so I did some volunteering, working with homeless people and prostitutes and, and that sort of thing. And, and I really enjoyed it. And I went for a few jobs for it, but I didn't get any. And then I thought, oh, you know, I wondered should I go and do a counselling certificate? And I've got all this stuff going on, and I just didn't know what to do with my life. And then in the end, bizarrely, I ended up working in a primary school. And I worked in primary schools for 15 years. Working with children with special educational needs and who struggled behaviorally and who struggled socially and it was a really satisfying job but it just it just wasn 't what I was meant to be doing, and during that time, I realized that I'm really interested in people and trying to help them and trying to move them forward and all the ways to help them do that and how do we help people and how do we encourage people. And so I was trying to work in those fields with my job because I felt like that was what I was good at and what I could do. And then suddenly I realized there is no amount of counseling that I could have there is no amount of counseling I could give to somebody that would actually help them if they hadn't got the hope that Jesus Christ can change their life. And I suddenly realised, and from my own experience, don't get me wrong, I've seen psychiatrists myself because of my own mental health when I was 16, I've seen counsellors, I used to self-harm, I had eating disorders, I went through all of that and I thought because of that I wanted to help others. And yet suddenly I realised that it was actually the hope of Jesus Christ that had changed my life, that was actually my destiny to help others to realise that actually, yes, counsellors can be helpful and people can work with you and sometimes you need that sometimes you need to go to the doctor sometimes you need a counselor and sometimes they are invaluable please don't get me wrong but there was one thing I suddenly realized that my destiny was tied up in bringing the hope of Jesus that he can change and transform your life beyond recognition if you allow him to come in And my passion was helping and changing people. And I went on a massive long journey trying to find where it was. So you may be on a massive long journey trying to find where it was. Keep going. Keep going because suddenly the penny will drop. Suddenly you will realize. But keep going. Keep taking those steps. Keep going because eventually you will get to the top of the hill. Chase down your passion. Like it's the last buzz of the night. I remember as a high school... I was going to say child and I was going to say girl and I don't know what the word is. Young person. When I went to high school, um, we used to have to catch like two buses. And when the school bus brought us into Hanley, we had to catch a connecting bus then to get us home. And there were some nights when you knew, unless you ran... Like you had never ran before across Hanley, you were going to miss the connecting bus and there wasn't another one for 45 minutes and you were going to have to stand in Hanley Bus Station that was, I don't mean the nice new one, I mean the old one. You don't want being there. It wasn't pleasant. There were some interesting characters in there. You certainly didn't want to go the toilet in there. It didn't matter how many pieces of toilet roll were on the roll. You didn't want to be going to the toilet. You were going all it till you got home. So we and I went to school at first with my sister and a friend, and we would run through Hanley to catch the last bus because we didn't want to have to wait, and because we were ready for a tea and we wanted to get home. Can I encourage you? Keep pursuing it. Don't give up. Don't just sometimes we can just go, oh, do you know what? I just. I just don't know what I'm here for. I'm just going to sit here and wait and see what happens. I'll just wait and I'll just wait. The bus is not going to come to where you're waiting. The bus is going to come to the bus stop. Can I encourage you? Don't just stop where you are. Your passion is not necessarily going to find you there. It may do, but not necessarily. Keep going, keep pursuing, keep believing Chase that passion down. Frederick, B- I can't say his surname. Does anyone else know how to say it? Have we got the quote? Oh, go back one. There it is. His name's Frederick, anyway. This is his quote Purpose is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's need. The thing that makes you glad. The thing that makes you glad when you do it. The thing that you're passionate about. The thing that you can't stop thinking about. That is the thing that is going to meet the need in the world. That is your passion. That is your destiny. That is what God's calling you to. To let everybody know that there is hope in this world. Chase down your passion like it's the last bus of the night. Because when you do the whole community around you benefits. Your family will benefit. Your wider family will benefit. Your street will benefit. Your wider community will benefit when you find your passion and your purpose in life. It will change lives. Chase it down. The second thing I want to say to you is this. We learn from Nehemiah to recognize the need. Nehemiah 2 verses 1 to 3 says this One day, four months later, when Emperor Xerxes was dining, I took the wine to him. He had never seen me look sad before, so he asked, Why are you looking so sad? You aren't ill, so it must be that you're unhappy. I was startled and answered, May your majesty live forever. How can I look sad? How can I help looking sad when the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and its gates have been destroyed? Nehemiah needed to go. He needed to go so much. It was his passion so much that the need overflowed him and it was obvious to those around him, even when he didn't want it to be. Nehemiah needed to go. And King Xerxes recognized the need in him to go. Nehemiah recognized the need in Jerusalem, and that need was then recognized beyond him, which caused a chain reaction that he was then sent. Can you recognize the need around you? In your family, there are needs. In your street, there are needs. In your community, there are needs. In your workplace, there are needs. Within your friends, they have needs. Do you recognize them? Do you see them? And you know, sometimes the need is us. And until we work on what we need to work on within us and we recognize the need and the thing that needs to change within us, where we lay things aside, where we work through our own insecurities, where we break out and become confident, where we lay aside the things of the past that are holding us back and begin to look forward to the future sometimes we need to recognize the need in us that once we address it and deal with it, then we can break through to our destiny. Because if we never deal with those needs within us, if we don't break through from the things that are holding us down, from our insecurities, from the things that we're looking at that we shouldn't look at, from the past that's holding us back, if we don't break free from those things, if we don't recognize that need and do something about it, then we will never fulfill destiny. Let me ask you this question. Are you working hard on the superficial you to be liked or on the real you to be whole? Recognize the need within you. And is the need you're fulfilling a superficial need? Or are you fulfilling a need that causes wholeness within you and causes redemption and change within the community around you? Sometimes we need rebuilding as individuals. If you need rebuilding, I know I do at times. If you need rebuilding, recognize that need and begin the rebuilding process within yourself. Because then once you've been rebuilt within yourself, then you can carry on your journey to looking to fulfill the destiny that God has got on your life. Let me ask you again. Are you working hard on the superficial you to be light or on the real you to be whole? You know, we need to ask God to open our eyes. Open my eyes about me or open my eyes about the community around me, about my family, so I can see those needs that are there. Let me see the needs within me that need to be changed and met, but let me see the needs in those around me. Let them break my heart like they break yours, God. So first, find your passion. Recognize the need. Thirdly, build a God-centered life and team. And I've got two scriptures for you here. The first one from Nehemiah 2 verse 4. It says, the emperor asked, what is it you want? And it says, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then Nehemiah goes on to tell him what he wanted. But Nehemiah is an individual was God-centered. It was God-centered in what he did. The, The king asked, what do you want? And Nehemiah prayed, oh God, help. God, I need you to help me. As I communicate this, because this could be it. This could be the thing that transforms and changes Jerusalem. And I'm so passionate about it. And it breaks my heart. And I've been waiting for months and months and not knowing what to do. And praying and believing and hoping and wondering. This could be it. This could be the opportunity. So make sure you're God-centered in every opportunity that you get to break free into your destiny and invite God into it just like Nehemiah did he built a god-centered life but then he goes on later in the chapter to build a god-centered team we read in Nehemiah 2:16 to 18 he said, "'None of the local f- officials knew where I'd been or what I'd been doing. He'd been going around the walls and looking at the damage. So far, I had not said anything to any of my fellow Jews, the priests, the leaders, the officials, or anyone else who would be taking part in the work. But now I said to them, "'See the trouble we are in because Jerusalem is in ruins and its gates are destroyed. "'Let's rebuild the city walls and put an end to our disgrace.'" And I told them how God had been with me and helped me and what the emperor had said to me. They responded, let's start building. And they got ready to start the work. Nehemiah invited God into everything. He invited God into the individual things that he did with the king. But then he invited God into everything that he did with the people as well. He says, I told them how God had been with me. He didn't just say, oh, check me out. Look what I've done. I've done this. I've come here. I'm going to rebuild Jerusalem. Come on, let's do it. We can do it together. Instead, he said, God has been with me. God has opened a way. God wants to be with you as you move forward into your destiny. God wants to be with you in your life. He wants to be part of your life as you parent your children. He wants to be part of your life as you go to work. He wants to be part of your life as you meet people in the street. God wants to be the center of all you do. And all you need to do is invite him in to do it. You know, our girls—they're rubbish at brushing their teeth. It's like the bane of my life. It's like, "Have you brushed your teeth?" Yes. Uh, no. And sometimes like, they like—they have, but I won't name and shame. Please don't go and speak to them after, because then I'll be in like loads of trouble. But we've got—we have we got like um, what are they called an electronic toothbrush. So you know when they're using it. it goes So one of my children, I won't name her, thinks that if I say, go and brush your teeth, and she goes in the bathroom and stands with the toothbrush on, (laughs) what's that about? And yes, I brushed my teeth. Well, you quite clearly haven't, because they are more yellow than the sun. And sometimes they'll brush them and just brush the front bit. So and they'll go. Does anyone, any other parents have this problem? Oh, oh, good. (laughs) Good. And you go to the dentist and you sit in shame. And you're like, "I'm not taking you to the dentist again." And you give them this huge lecture after. But yes, so we got some of those purple tablets. I don't know whether you've ever seen them. I don't. I'm sure they have some special name. They get everywhere there's now a purple bar of soap which was white but it has some purple on and basically sorry if you don't know you can get these purple tablets from the dentist and you brush your teeth or you pretend to and then you eat a purple tablet and the purple tablet makes anywhere where there's plaque on your teeth go purple It also makes your tongue extremely purple and anywhere that it gets goes purple as well. But the reason I'm telling you this is because sometimes we need to let God come and marinate our lives with who he is. We need him to come and marinate our lives, just like those purple tablets come and marinate my kids' teeth. And it shows up, I can see why you've not brushed your teeth now, and so can you and you can't deny it. But we need to allow God to come into our lives and marinate our lives with his word. Marinate our lives and say, be full of goodness, be full of gentleness, be full of love in your life and allow me, allow me to show up those little areas where you need some work because as you work through and work on those areas that need some work and we've all got them, as God highlights them to you, then He allows you to step forward closer and into your destiny. What are you marinated in? Are you marinated in God or are you marinated in the world? Are you marinated in the things that you look at? Are you marinated in your relationships and just that's the only thing you think about? Are you marinated in your job and it consumes you? Are you marinated in what is it? Or are you marinated in God so that when people taste you, that is what they see? Because when you've got a God-centered life, when people stick things in you, God should come out. Allow God to be the centre of all that you do. The next thing I believe we can learn from Nehemiah is this. When we need to access resources, Nehemiah 2 verse 5 to 9 says this. And then I said to the emperor, if your majesty is pleased with me and is willing to grant my request, let me go to the land of Judah, to the city where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild the city. The emperor, with the empress sitting at his side, approved my request. He asked me how long I would be gone and when I would return, and I told him. Then I asked him to grant me the favor of giving me letters to the governors of the West Euphrates province, instructing them to let me travel to Judah. I asked also for a letter for Asaph, keeper of the royal forests, instructing him to supply me with timber for the gates of the fort that guards the temple. For the city walls and for the house I was to live in, the emperor gave me all I asked for. Listen for it. Because God was with me. The emperor sent some army officers and a troop of horsemen with me, and I made the journey to West Euphrates. There I gave the emperor's letters to the governors. Nehemiah knew that he needed resource. We need resource in our lives individually, but if we're looking to fulfill destiny, if we're looking and believing for something big, then we need resource on a big level. Nehemiah knew where that resource was coming from at that point in time, and I don't believe it was by chance that he was put as the cupbearer to the king. God had got a plan and a purpose for his life, put him in the right place, which he thought, this is the worst place I could possibly be in. And you may be in a place where you think, why am I here? This has got nothing to do with what I believe God's calling me for. This has got nothing to do with, never mind anything else, what I'd even like to be doing. And yet I find myself here. And yet Nehemiah found himself in the best place in the world to be able to access resource. Because he was with the king who ruled pretty much everywhere at that time and had access to bountiful resource. And so he wasn't shy about it. Nehemiah said, if you're pleased with me, then could, could you give me some letters so I can travel, so I don't have trouble traveling? And, and then actually, could, could you give me another letter so I can get some wood from this forest? And then, can I have this? And can I have this? And the king granted his request because he asked. If you're lacking in resource for your life, if you're lacking in resource in your ministry, if you're lacking in resource in things that you are doing, in your job, in your business, in your family, if you are lacking in resource, can I encourage you, go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who who owns the mountain on a... Not the mountains, the sheep on a thousand hills. Get it right. That's Rwanda as well. Is it scripture too? I'm sure it is. Maybe not. Anyway, but he does anyway, whether it's in the Bible or not. The, the Cattle on a Thousand Hills. That's the Bible, isn't it, Mike? Yeah. Mike's giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> it must be so then. But God has an abundance of resource for your life, He has an abundance. Yeah. But sometimes we have to be patient. I'm not over keen on that. Sometimes we have to investigate, well, what do I need to put in place? We have to plan and put things together and say, well, what do we actually need? What do we need to make this thing work? What do I need to make my life work? Okay, well, I need to put those things in place then. But then it all comes down to this. Are you actually asking? Are you actually asking God to provide you with the resource you need? Are you actually saying, God, help me as I work through my life. God, help me as I'm building this ministry. God, help me as I'm looking to serve the community. God, help me as I'm working with the local church. God, help me in my job. God, help me in my family. Are you actually asking him? And is God actually with you? If resource isn't coming, if you're asking, if you're planning, if you're being patient, but if resource isn't coming, you've got to ask why. You've got to say, is this the plan and purpose? Is this the right path that God has taken me on? If this isn't the right path and purpose, God, that you're taking me on, if I've gone off ski with them, God, you need to speak to me and you need to bring me back on course because I don't want to miss the destiny you've got for me. I don't want to miss rebuilding Jerusalem by giving the king a cup of wine every day. And Nehemiah didn't stop in that forest. Nehemiah didn't stop in that territory. Nehemiah carried on and went to Jerusalem and fulfilled his purpose. You've got to have patience sometimes and wait for that resource. You've got to investigate what you need sometimes. You've got to plan sometimes. But if you never ask, then it will never come. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Stay focused. Nehemiah 6, and we've jumped a little bit further ahead. And Paul's going to talk about this a lot more next week, I think, when opposition comes and things get difficult. But in Nehemiah 6, verse 3, Nehemiah says this. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. And, you know, last time I spoke, I shared a little bit about... My mom, and now she's been unwell, and now I've struggled with that, with my faith, and struggled to believe that she was going to be okay and that she was going to pull through. And now my dad had this great faith that he was like, "Yeah, she's going to be fine," and I was like, "Oh shame." And um, the other this last Sunday, she wasn't very well, and she had to be admitted to hospital. She had a water infection, and they were concerned whether there was other things going on, and they were throwing all these big words about that you start thinking, "Oh my goodness, if she's got one of them, we're in trouble." And I sat. At home, and I thought, should I go straight to the hospital? Should I go to church? What should, what, what should I do? What should I do? And I was reminded of this scripture where it says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And I really believe that God was encouraging me. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go and visit people in the hospital <laughs> if they're sick. Please don't get me wrong. But God was taking me on a journey with my faith and my belief and the things that I've been struggling with over the last few years with my mum's ill health and wondering, how does this marry up? How does this work? And that God was saying to me, sometimes things will come to distract you. Things will come to take your attention away from what you're doing. But when those things come, you need to say to them, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And when the enemy throws those things at you, when the enemy tries to distract you and pull you away from your destiny, tries to stop you, when resources don't come, when discouragement comes, stay focused on what you believe God is calling you to. Stay focused on that great work and say, I am not coming down. You can throw ill health at me. You can throw depression at me. You can throw all of these things at me, but actually, I will not come down because I believe in this great work that I am doing. Can I encourage you? Stay focused on the things that you believe God is calling you to. Don't allow things to distract you from them. It's so easy to become discouraged. It's so easy to wonder where is God in all this but we need to have the confidence that he will orchestrate what he has originated in our lives because he will he will fulfill it if we stay focused on what he's calling us to For those of you who are single, don't let the search for a partner and a husband discourage you and distract you from what God has called you to. For those of you who have families and children, don't let your family and your children be an excuse and distract you from what God is calling you to. Bring them with you as you go. For those of you who work and your job is is a difficult job don't let it distract you from what God is calling you to still do it but allow it to improve you not distract you and we can have distractions that are good and that are bad it depends how we work And the enemy wants to come and distract you either with the good stuff because you get that carried away with it. It's just like, whoa, this is wonderful. Or with the bad stuff because he just wants to bring you to your knees and break you. Whatever it is for you, whatever season you find yourself in, whether it's the good distractions or the bad distractions, don't allow them to bring you away from the good work that God is calling you to do. Your dreams, your beliefs, your hopes, don't lay them aside. God has put divine potential within you to fulfill your purpose. Don't be distracted. Don't lose your focus. Because ultimately, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when we realize that it's all about him, and when our focus is on him, and who he is and what he did and when we realize that Jesus was not distracted when he died on the cross Jesus was not distracted by his closest friends who said to him no surely not you you're getting it wrong surely you shouldn't be dying on the cross Jesus wasn't distracted when there was there was a fight in the garden of Gethsemane when he was being taken away he didn't join in with that fight to stop his destiny and purpose but he said no stop And he walked into that destiny and purpose of the cross because he knew the power and the victory that was there. Can I encourage you this morning, when you stay focused on Jesus, when you stay focused on the plans and the purposes for the promises that he's put over your life, that it is in that place, it is in that place where hope and joy and life is born. I'm gonna to read to you from Matthew if the band want to join me. Matthew 16, verse 16 to 18 in the message says this. And this is when Jesus was asking his disciples, and they've been talking, and he said, You know, people are saying that I'm this person and I'm that person, but but who do you actually think I am? Who do you think I am? And it says this: Simon Peter said, You're the Christ, the Messiah. The Son of the Living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get the answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God Himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Peter knew who Jesus really was. Peter knew who he really was. Do you know who Jesus really is? Do you know who he really is when you're looking for your passion? Do you know who he really is when you're trying to recognise the needs within you and the needs around you? Do you know who Jesus is when you're trying to put him at the centre of your life? Do you know who he is when you're trying to access those resources? Because if you don't, they're all going to fall down and fall short do you know who he is when you need to stay focused do you know that he's the king of kings and the lord of lords do you know that he's the one who died on the cross because he loved you and he wanted to save you do you know that he promises he will never leave you or forsake you do you know that he promises to give you his peace do you know that he promises to love you with an unquenchable love Do you know who he really is? Because when you finally and truly know who he really is, at this point, Jesus will say to you, and now I'm going to tell you,